Hi, this is Justin Hibbert, and you're listening to Why Catholic, my podcast about the what and why of Catholicism. I've been taking a couple of weeks off during the holidays, but I would be remiss if I didn't say a few words about the late Pope Emeritus, His Holiness, Pope Benedict XVI. In my Protestant upbringing, there was this underlying sentiment that the papacy was nefarious and detached. Our, or at least my, interpretation of the Pope was clouded by lenses trapped in the Reformation era. I began with the premise that to be Pope, one had to be self-centered, if not self-indulgent. Pop media was happy to confirm my bias with TV series and movies such as Borgia, The Two Popes, and The Young Pope. What I missed out on is the godly pastors chosen to shepherd over a billion people through the 20th and 21st centuries. Each had unique perspectives, strengths, agendas, and flaws, and each brought a sense of humility and holiness to the most revered office in the world. To say Pope Benedict XVI had big shoes to fill would be the understatement of the millennia. His predecessor, Pope John Paul II, held the third longest tenure in papal history, reshaping the world for 26 years. Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger never aspired to fill those shoes. His historian Michael Heyman noted, quote, He never wanted to become a bishop. He never wanted to become cardinal. He never wanted to go to Rome. For three times, he resisted the call of Pope John Paul II to Rome, but eventually he had to be obedient to the Pope and certainly never wanted to be Pope. It was against his plan. It was the plan of God, but was not the plan of Joseph Ratzinger, end quote. During the final conclave vote, Cardinal Ratzinger sat on the edge of his chair praying, please don't do this to me. He entered the papacy not with ambition, but in obedience. It's an important nuance I and many Protestants miss when we see a pope on a balcony in opulent white garments waving to cheering admirers below or pushing through crowds in his pope mobile. Unbeknownst to me at the time, Pope Benedict's forte was his literary works. 66 books on topics such as the church, history, scripture, and morality. His dream was to retire and write, not be the head pastor for the largest church in the world. My introduction to his intellectual prowess was Jesus of Nazareth, The Infancy Narratives, where I discovered his masterful understanding of scripture and history while never getting the sense that he was trying to show off or talk down to me. Pope Benedict XVI began his papacy by bucking the tradition of having each cardinal swear obedience to him. Instead, he opted for 12 people to greet him, cardinals, clergy, religious, a married couple and their child, and newly confirmed. He also opted for an open-topped Popemobile, saying that he wanted to be closer to the people. In 2005, Pope Benedict began the beatification process for his predecessor, Pope John Paul II, even though the mandatory five years hadn't passed since his death. In 2007, Pope Benedict issued the motto proprio Sumorum Pontificum, which allowed churches to celebrate the traditional Latin Mass. In 2009, Pope Benedict issued the Apostolic Constitution Anglicanorum Coedibus, which authorized the creation of personal ordinariates for Anglicans entering into full communion. This resulted in 9,090 Anglican members, 194 Anglican priests, and 94 Anglican parishes coming into full communion with the Catholic Church. Those are just a few highlights from Pope Benedict's tenure. After eight years as the Vicar of Christ, Pope Benedict XVI shocked the world when he announced his retirement. That was something most thought was against the rules. Pope Benedict, however, thought it was the most pastoral thing he could do, given his old age and failing health. When I think back on Pope Benedict XVI, I think missed opportunity. Not him, but me.
If I would have allowed myself at the time, I would have admired his theology, scriptural expertise, sound morality, and intellectualism. I would have been proud to call him my German shepherd. One may see his hesitancy to leadership as a weakness. Perhaps it is what best suited him for St. Peter's chair. I feel G.K. Chesterton, in particular, would have been quite fond of Pope Benedict, not just because he was an intellectual and prolific writer, but because of his disposition to lead. In his book, Orthodoxy, Chesterton notes, quote, The one specially and peculiarly unchristian idea is the idea of Carlyle, the idea that the man should rule who feels he can rule. Whatever else is Christian, this is heathen. If our faith comments on government at all, its comment must be this, that the man should rule who does not think that he can rule. Carlyle's hero may say, I will be king, but the Christian saint must say, nolo episcopari. If the great paradox of Christianity means anything, it means this, that we must take the crown in our hands and go hunting in dry places and dark corners of the earth until we find the one man who feels himself unfit to wear it, end quote. It's perhaps why the choice of the 265th Pope was obvious to everyone but Joseph Ratzinger, who later noted in his papal address, quote, the fact that the Lord knows how to work and to act even with insufficient instruments comforts me. Eternal rest grant unto Pope Benedict XVI, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May the soul of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen.